What's up, folks? Let's hop in the car and drive. Welcome to Rearview Movies, where we see how our films from 20 years ago look in the rearview mirror. I am the popcorn guy, Scotty Williams, and joining me, as always, is our movie buff, our genius of film, our cinephile extraordinaire, Trevor Kirkendall. How are you today, sir? Well, geez, don't sell me so high. (laughs) I'm doing my best chowser, don't you know? Oh, right, of course. The single best movie lover on this side of his address. <laughs> I got this. We can totally do this. All right. Oh, man. So uh, looking at June 8th here, right, for our, our yep. movie for this week. Yep, our movie for this week came out June 8th. Guess what was the number one song on June 8th in 2001? What was that? It was still Lady Marmalade from Moulin Rouge. Oh, man. An earwig of a song. Yes. Could not get it out. I told you last week that that song didn't go away for the longest time. It was everywhere. It was everywhere you went. Well, you know, it's it's kind of a funny commentary if you think about it. How long number one songs lasted then versus how long number one songs last now. Well, I think they do still last pretty long now because it is all about the song and not quite the album anymore. So you do still see these songs that end up staying number one for a quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at charts lately, but maybe it's changed. But back when I used to kind of keep track of that stuff, I noticed that things were tops for 10, 12, 15 weeks. Yeah. Sometimes. So. Hey, fun fact. June 8th is actually the birthday of one Mr. Kanye West. Is it really? Yep. Wow. Voice of a generation. A true lover of fish sticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That is a story for definitely another day. Yep. You know what surprises me? At this point in his career, Kanye has not been in a movie, has not been in a major movie yet, has he? No. That he strikes hasn't. me as just the very thing he would want to do. Well, a lot of other um, rap artists do tend to be in movies, it seems. They're, um, they find their way in, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, We'll see when we talk about Fast and the Furious here in a couple weeks. We'll see who is that in that movie. Is it um uh, Mr. Bridges? I recall, right? No, 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 no. That was in Crash. That was later. Yeah. Um, I think it's Ja Rule. Um, you were correct. Ja Rule is in the film. Yeah, it's not. It's not a very big. Uh, it's not a very big part, if I remember right. But we'll talk about that in a couple mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. No, today we're going to talk a little bit about some. Uh, we're going to talk about computer hacking today. <laughs> or we're talking about computer hacking and Halle Berry. Computer hacking as it was packaged to the public in 2001. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which must mean we are talking about swordfish. So today we're going to be talking about swordfish and be aware of spoilers ahead. But let's be honest, you had 20 years to see it. It was directed by Dominic Senna. It is about a covert counter-terrorist unit called the Black Cell, led by Gabriel Scheer, and he wants the money to help finance a war against international terrorism, but it's all locked away, and Gabriel brings in convicted hacker Stanley Jobson to help him. By the way, you know, like, none of that until, like, 20 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Very disorienting at first. This movie stars John Travolta, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, Don Cheadle, Sam Shepard, and Cameron Grimes. 
No, good cast. Great cast of folks there. Um, great cast of folks that must have been a lot to pay because the budget for this film wound up at $102 million. Uh, that's quite a bit amount of money, uh, quite a bit of money to make a film uh, that actually opened at number one in the box office but only made $18 million in opening weekend. Uh, domestic gross of $69 million, international seventy-seven for a... Made major money back and then a little bit at $147 million. The Rotten Tomatoes critics absolutely tomatoed the heck out of this, gave it a 25. The audience gave it a 59 with a summary that says Swordfish is big on explosions, but critics dislike how it skimps on plot and logic. Also, the sight of a person typing at a computer just isn't that interesting. Well, they find... Yeah, who would have thought? Right? Well, they find ways to make it interesting, let's be honest. Uh, Spoiler alert and PG-13, but they find ways to make that interesting. (laughs) No, so Trevor, you saw this film uh, 20 years ago. What'd you think? I did not see this movie 20 years ago. You did not? I didn't didn't go to this one in the theaters. I don't remember when I saw it because I'm pretty sure that when I rented it, I fell asleep watching it. (laughs) That's how much I loved it. That's your critical take. All right. Yeah, (laughs) because I don't really remember much after uh, when they bring in Hugh Jackman and put put a gun to his head and tell him to hack a DOD server. Mm-hmm. After that, I was completely lost. I hadn't seen anything after that. So no, I don't think I saw this movie in its entirety 20 years ago. What about you? When did you first see this? I actually did see this film uh, in the, I'm pretty sure I went to see it in. I did. I did go see it in the theaters. Not sure if it was uh, Hugh Jackman that took me there or the trailer. I thought did a pretty good job. Hey, this is going to be kind of an interesting action kind of movie. But, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it for what it was, you know, for what it was. It might be what the Rotten Tomato summary gets out with some of the explosions and uh, some of the what we'll call quasi-philosophical stuff. Although I got to be perfectly honest, um, even now, uh, I'm sure even back then I realized that this movie felt very much like a derivative film of a film that was released in 1999 and had an impact on many films after it that involved computer hacking and suits. <sighs> Of course. What I say, for the next <laughs> decade, we're going to be see the Matrix ripoffs happen. Well, it's uh, there's a ton of it here, man. There's there's computer hacking, some of it even with that kind of zeros and ones kind of character look like they did in parts of it. Um, this leading figure who is, again, kind of quasi-philosophical and asks you a lot of interesting life questions while he's robbing a bank. So, yeah, no, I, uh, in fact, one of my running jokes in my notes was uh, the music in this movie is either dramatic orchestral strings or techno. So I'd like to open our discussion with this by mentioning the fact that the movie opens with Travolta in a coffee shop, and he is describing the plot of a movie that is a thousand times better than this. And everything that he's saying about this movie, Dog Day Afternoon, everything that he's saying about it is basically describing all this movie's shortcomings. (laughs) So it really lets you know right off the bat what you're in for, and you're in for a big steaming pile of it. (laughs) So... But then, then we go over across the street to the bank, and it's actually a pretty tense opening, I won't lie. Yeah. Um, they actually do a fairly decent job getting that done. Um, mm-hmm. But then you have the explosion, and some innocent lady just blows up. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you no, know. That, you're, you're exactly right. Um, in fact, one of the things we talked about last week, I said that it kind of bothers me when movies give you way too much setup and spoon feed you too much before they throw you in. I feel like Swordfish did the exact opposite of that. Like, let's have this one conversation that probably took a little longer than it should have. And then, boom, you're in the middle of a hostage standoff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was watching this movie with my wife. 
in the rear view and I'm watching the scene where the, you know, the, the one, like you said, the SWAT agent is taking the girl out. It's already, they've already made it clear. She's going to explode and blow up. And I'm just sitting here thinking my wife does not like gory stuff in the movie. Oh, <laughs> I am in trouble. This, Oh boy, here we go. And then, you know, <laughs> again, for a scene that involves a human exploding and then causing Claymore like damage all around it, this was done fairly well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was done with 2001 CGI technology that uh uh yeah you don't even see her she just turns into a she just turns into like a, a, a blip of light <laughs> well and and maybe that's just a statement on the way that they did that stuff uh back then because you know nowadays when you see movies like that most of the time they shoot for a fair amount of gross realism you know like think about yeah. the um the rambo movie that sylvester stallone made after he hadn't made a bunch it was i think it was john rambo is that the one he made and yeah. that movie was grotesquely violent. Anybody that blew up, it was all red, blood and yep. guts everywhere. But yep. they managed to do this one in a way that was, uh, you know, not going to get me in trouble, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't want they didn't want uh, they didn't want your wife squirming and walking away. So. Yeah, but seventeen year old Scotty would have been like, "Yeah, yeah," <laughs> which is the target audience for this movie. So I'm sure that's kind of what they probably were hoping they would get, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. So after we have this little bit of, after we have this little bit of fun in the, uh, in the, in the bank at the beginning, then we jump back, uh, four days, I think it says. Yep. And we meet, um, we meet Halle Berry and Hugh Jackman. Uh, actually I should say we meet, um, we meet Halle Berry's legs. Yep. We meet Halle Berry's backside. Yep. All we know about her character is that she's going to be objectified by the director in this entire film. Yep. She, she gets the Megan Fox treatment. Absolutely. That is just, they don't let her do anything at all. I mean, she just comes into this movie and she's there just for eye candy, complete eye candy. And they don't even, it, it, it's not even like with Megan Fox because at least her character was somewhat useful and had stuff in, to do in yeah. Transformers. In this one, she's got nothing to do. I mean, they, they try to throw this little red herring in there later on that she's working for the DEA, but even that's just kind of like, that doesn't make any sense at all, even when it happens. And it, it winds up meaning very little in the end. In fact, yeah. I took a note of that. I was like, man, it meant nothing. They mention it once when she just happens to be in her lingerie, <laughs> and then yeah. then later she gets shot and died, and and at the end of the day, all Gabriel says is, well, she was DEA, let's go, and just yeah. totally pointless. Which then turns out she wasn't dead in the first place. So right, fooled you. <laughs> well, you know, let's let's touch on that for a second because this is something I'm kind of interested to talk about. So when I thought about this movie a little bit, I thought about another director that I've seen in movies that we've watched together that does a remarkably good job of storytelling in this fashion, and that's Christopher Nolan. Okay, yeah, dropping you in the middle of the movie figure it out, work our way back to the beginning, but it's brilliant. And nine times out of 10, Christopher Nolan absolutely sticks the landing. This movie clearly did not stick the landing. What's the difference? <laughs> the difference is Christopher Nolan. If you're, <laughs> I mean, well, just some of the, you know, you know, what are some of the, the things of the movie? Were there too many details? Were there too many loose no. ends to tie up? It was just, it's just stupid. It's what it is. I just compared I mean, this movie to Christopher Nolan and Trevor is seething. Yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous is what this movie is. There's 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 nothing interesting about it to begin with. Um, we meet 
Halle Berry, we meet Hugh Jackman. The two of them have zero chemistry in this movie. Yes. At all. It looks like they probably didn't even talk during, uh, in between takes or on days off or anything like that. They probably just showed up, got their blocking instructions, and then left. And I mean, that's just uh, no chemistry whatsoever at all. And the dialogue they're given to work with is atrocious. It's so bland. And there's nothing in it that means anything. And it's just... And apparently, even... This is still the same today in 2021 as it was in 2001. Is that hacking in a movie is nothing more than typing really fast. Yes. Because that's all they do in this. And suddenly, you're in a server. They never use a mouse. It's always just... But, 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 yeah, mean, keyboard, yeah. A, a flurry of keyboard shortcuts and commands and... Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and he winds up, they set this preamble that now, again, they build that tension. Hey, this has been hacked in an hour. I need somebody who can do it in a minute. But you know what's funny? Then after that, none of his hacking is time sensitive after that. No, it's not. None of uh, it. At all. They bring him back to the house. And which, by the way, I really believe that this is the same house that the FBI was set up in The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> so Possibly. I think we'll see this house again pretty soon but they they bring him back to this house and they set him in front of seven flat screen monitors mm. and he's just like ooh ooh <laughs> and is like impressive isn't it 128 bit <laughs> encryption <laughs> yeah whoa yeah uh that was one thing i took note of as i watched this is just this is one of the fun things about rearview movies is to see all the dated references in the film so like right there in the beginning scene where they're um, they're detaining this hacker and they're like, well, what'd you come back to the United States for? And he just says, well, uh, he never misses an episode of Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's one scene where this guy pops up a VHS tape like, hey, boss, you should watch this. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and John Travolta makes a crack later on in the movie about donating to Greenpeace and feeling good about yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those those are my favorite dated references in the film. Yeah, there's plenty of them here um now i will say uh obviously we're we're getting a pretty good vibe for how you feel about this film um i would say that the one thing i will note about the film is john travolta was a lot of fun in this film as the bad guy i had fun watching him if you say so (laughs) i just i don't know i i just he's a i think he is a charismatic actor and i think that when he plays roles like this he just Again, if the movie's not going to be Dog Day Afternoon, then have some fun with it. And I think he does exactly that. (laughs) Well, and then it kind of ended for him, too. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of... This was the end of sort of John Travolta's reign as a box office draw after this movie came out. Because you look at the stuff he did after this. I mean, immediately after he did Domestic Disturbance, which I didn't even see. And then he did Basic, which I think I fell asleep in. I mean, even before this... Was he was a bit more of a box office draw, and he was doing the sort of really eccentric stuff. Um, I mean, the year well, prior like Face to this, Off, right? Yeah, and the year prior to this, he did um, Battlefield Earth, which we won't go into how <laughs> terrible that is. But he um, too far back in the review for that one. It's almost like well, you mentioned Face Off. It's almost like uh, um, it's almost like Travolta and Nicolas Cage went in two completely divergent directions after this, where. Travolta did a little bit more of the eccentric stuff, but then he tried to rein it in, but nobody wanted to see that. And then Nicolas Cage continued to do some of the eccentric stuff and then just kept going. 
with it. <laughs> which, yeah, he, he leaned in. <laughs> which apparently also nobody is interested in seeing because he's kind of disappeared too. So, mm-hmm. for the most part. Well, thank God for the internet because he's just there on the periphery doing his thing pretty much yeah. forever. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, then I'm going to ask you a difficult question that you might take a moment to answer. Uh, what's your favorite scene in this movie? The end credits. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Oh, the end credits. That's good. Um, um, no. Okay. So, so I'll tell you what my favorite scene is. And it's not my favorite because I like it. It's my favorite because it's so ridiculous. And that's where, that's where Hugh Jackman tries to escape Don Cheadle by jumping down the hill. <laughs> and then Don Cheadle decides the best way to follow him is to jump down the hill again. Do the exact same thing, yeah. And then a third guy does the exact same thing. So then we spend the next 60 or so seconds watching these guys tumble down a hill. Uh, through, a, through a is, randomly placed tarp. Yeah, I mean, it is like, it, it's clear that this wasn't done by them. That it was done by stuntmen. It's clear that it wasn't done outside. It was done somewhere inside on a set. Um, and then at the very bottom of the hill, what happens? The FBI agent just shows up in the car. So all that was completely unnecessary. All Don Cheadle had to do was turn around and get in the car, and he would have been down at the bottom of the hill at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. That's the worst scene in the movie for me, um, and the best scene in the movie, because it's so terrible. But, <laughs> I mean, there's... The editing's terrible. Nobody gets hurt. I mean, I know, okay, like, plenty of times in movies, things happen where these people go through crazy things and they don't get hurt or they don't die. So I'm not, I'm not discounting that and I won't hold it against them too much, but I mean, not a scratch on them after falling down a hill. I mean, you think there have to be some bit of realism to that with quite a bit of tumbling and quite a bit of like changing of direction and landing on knees and elbow. Yeah. And again, I, when Heather and I watch this film, she just says, why is there a tarp there? Yeah, <laughs> I said, you know, that's a great question. Maybe the tarp is there so the producers, the producers, maybe the tarp is there so they could say, well, that's how they didn't die. Half of the ground was pretty smooth. Like, again, yeah. maybe it's a California thing and there's just hills in California covered with tarps. Someone I, in California should clear this up for us. I don't know. Yeah, for real. I've been there. I didn't see any tarps. I didn't either. <laughs> um, I also like the fact, did you happen to see the name of the program that Hugh Jackman was using to, to hack? No. Worm generator tool version 1.2. <laughs> yeah, because that's because that's what hackers use. Something so, quite that obvious. Somebody had to create that and use it in this movie. Well, you know, that was... I, I think what's funny about that is, you know, because again, around the year, around the year this movie is being made, the internet is not nearly as there's not nearly as much knowledge about the internet as there is now. Uh, not it's not nearly as mainstream. And so, like, I remember being in a computer class where they taught about you know different computer viruses, and they literally said like three of the words of the viruses you know back to back, like a worm wrapped in a Trojan horse, like almost like yeah. to say, here are the words that you know about viruses, kids. He's gonna do all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, you know, again, trying to take something as sophisticated as computer hacking and package it for the general public in a way that looks interesting. Well, and you, you mentioned that after he hacked the system in 60 seconds, that time never becomes a factor again. And um, they do show him at that computer with seven monitors a couple more times. But there is like a montage that they do 
later on mm-hmm. where they, they show just a couple of scenes and he's not sure what to do. So he's pacing around the room and he's talking to the screen and everything like that. And they show us images on the screen, but I mean, the whole montage is just, is, is terrible <laughs> because you as the audience have no idea what's going on. Really? They put the image, they put the camera on the screen but the nothing on there makes any sense at they, all. And they always how try to throw know? in some kind of graphic being built yeah, instead of how words. How do we know that he's succeeding? How do we know that he's failing other than the fact that he's just putting his hands in his head or, or his hands on his head? And it's just like there's it, – it, it's not good at all. And then all of a sudden he's done and he's he's done it. It's over. I mean, I mean it's just ridiculous. And Well, speaking and then, of <laughs> – and then that, as soon as he finishes that, then it's all done. Now we have to create some more tension because we still got another hour left in this piece of crap. Um, and so Travolta comes in, he goes, let's take a drive. And he goes, why can't we talk here? And he goes, because we shouldn't. You know why they shouldn't? Because then the epic car chase couldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like the and boredom the in where, this. Isn't that the one where John Travolta like stands up and like does the Jesus yeah. thing with the guns? And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean the boredom level in this movie is already really high, so we have to kind of throw in a random car chase anyway. Yeah, I don't know, and and we're only two years removed from the 1990s at this point, but in 2001, cars still blow up when you shoot them. <laughs> you know, so yeah. If, if there's anything we have to applaud about how things have progressed over time, movies have become more realistic in their their uh, their depictions of things for better and for in, worse <laughs> in their depictions of exploding vehicles. Well, not only that, but gasoline trails and how they instantly lead to massive explosions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I it, think, I think that this movie really does a disservice to everybody watching by leaving us in the dark as to who Travolta is for way too long. Because even you mentioned when I read the summary at the beginning, that all the stuff in that summary isn't revealed until there's about 20 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. And so they leave us in the dark for too long. So he's like, you know, we, we see Sam Shepard as a senator at the at, toward the beginning of the movie. Then he flies out to him as he's fly fishing and he kills him. Yeah, totally but, disposable character. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, he's saying, well, you work for us. And it's like, OK, so he works for a senator. So what's he doing? Well, they're not telling us. And then when you finally do find out what he's doing and that he's working as a like a covert counter-terrorist, you know, um, now his plan makes no sense at all. Because what is his, the idea is to hack into this government computer and steal nine and a half billion dollars that's sitting there so that they can fund counter-terrorism strikes across the planet. Yes. They're They're trying to save American lives. Yeah. On behalf of the U.S. government. So what country was that chick from in the beginning of the movie that got blown up? America. Ah. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> I reckon there's a bit of a plot hole there, huh? Well, and the other plot hole is the fact that he's stealing from the U.S. government so he can bomb terrorists for the U.S. government. You would think the U.S. Like, government would just give him the money. Yeah, you want $9.5 billion to go bomb terrorists? Sure, here you go. I mean, Well, and let's be honest, the government would give him the money. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, the other thing that is important to note, too, is that this is also June of 2001, so we haven't hit the, the world-changing the thing, event. Yeah. yeah. Um, and had this movie come out a year later, it would have been 
taken in a completely different light because Wouldn't have in made June it. of 2001, I mean, Americans did not think the terrorist states were a threat. I mean, um, overall, I mean, sure, yeah. it was in the mind, but no one ever thought it would come here. The, and no one would yeah. ever thought that America would have to go out and take care of it. Um, but, I mean, Travolta gives this impassioned pro-American speech at some point in the movie, and it would have had a whole different meaning uh, a year later. Yeah. Well, and again, in teaching the subject of, of terrorism to my kids, and especially about that, you know, September 11th, uh, I've told them before, and this is going to sound terrible to say this, but it really does feel like terrorism was back page news in our generation before September 11th. Yeah. Like there was the Oklahoma city bombing and the, the coal bombing, but honestly, the rest of it, it, it didn't become part of our daily vernacular. Like it did after nine 11. Mm -hmm. Um, like, heck, I remember, uh, one of my favorite musical bands was disturbed at the time and disturbed did a video for their song prayer. And there was some, there was a part in the song where the lead singer was going to be walking through cities with crumbling buildings. And because it came out relatively quickly after nine 11, they had to like scrub it. They took it out. Yeah. Yeah. They were, there they was were a incredibly lot sensitive. There was a lot that got taken out of things. Um, or movies that got pushed back because of of nine uh, eleven. Yeah, but you're you're a hundred percent right that that this movie had it like you said come out a year later. Heck, even six months later uh, mm -hmm. would have been taken in a completely different context, um, and they may have had to switch the plot around. Well, let's do that. Let's have that fun for a second. Let's play movie makeover. Um, <laughs> how would Trevor make this movie watchable from a plot perspective? He wouldn't have let made me, it. Let me make that. Let me say that. <laughs> how would Trevor make this movie more palatable? from a critical perspective. Well, I guess first we wouldn't have Halle Berry be in the movie at all. Cause her character is completely worthless except for eye candy it, done in the completely gratuitous way possible. The scene where she puts the book down and she's completely topless is the most unnecessary scene of nudity in movie history. Yeah, very quite gratuitous and and like you said, totally 100% unnecessary. But I will say going back to our childhood and and our, you know, that year of that year in our lives, um Halle Berry was a she was it. She was popular at the yeah. time and uh, you know, very popular. So but even then, I mean, yeah, okay, so she's in the movie, but she doesn't have to be sitting there like that. There's no reason for her. I guess she could have done that to like show that she had power over Hugh Jackman's character at that point or just to make him uncomfortable because clearly he is at that point. He's like tripping over himself, but I mean, there's no reason for her to be sitting outside like that in the first place. You know, and she's not even in the sun. <laughs> Ooh, so while we're talking about that, uh, she made, it looks like, about $2.5 million for the eye candy role in Swordfish. Uh, it says here from something I'm reading that uh, it was initially reported that Halle Berry did not want to do that scene. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. And you know what eventually convinced her to do it? Another million dollars? <laughs> A half a mil, actually. A half a million? Okay, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the, one of the scenes I thought was kind of funny. One of my favorite scenes, uh, again, going back to, we're having fun with plot holes here. It's a movie about computer hacking and there's all this like hack, 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 type, type, type. How do they break into the bank? Yeah. They just drive a car into they it. They ram it with Hummers. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, they've spent this entire movie, click, click, click 128 bit encryption. How do you get in here? I'll build a virus and a worm. And they run into the bank with Hummers. Why did you need a computer hacker for that? 
Yeah, well, then he plugged into the mainframe and, and transferred it out or something like that. Well, uh, again, dude, this is this is like Craigslist. You can just get the dude to build yeah. the software and ram it in with the Hummer. You ain't got to. Yeah. Oh, but in 2001, <laughs> we didn't have Craigslist yet, so we had to go find people that were in jail for it. Totally fair, because if cell phones existed, Home Alone would not be a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I I do like how they paid Hugh Jackman $10 million to build this um to build this virus to go in and do it. And when Travolta wants to show that he's a man of his word, so he dials up the phone and hands him the phone, and it's somebody on the bank that says, we've just transferred you $10 million. And what does Hugh Jackman say? Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> well, so casual. Well, I just became a millionaire yeah. 10 times over. Thanks. Well, not only that, but, and again, I, I don't want to get too lost in poking holes in the movie. I generally thought it was fun. But, um... Isn't he going to get arrested for even a small fraction of what he did? Well, just for leaving the state on parole. I mean, about, yeah, they pointed out that leaving the state on parole was enough to get him in handcuffs. Everything else he did. He built this virus that went in and stole all this money. And at the end of the movie, it's just like, peace, man. See ya. Yeah. Not only that, he blew up a helicopter and killed two people. Yeah. But yet exactly. again, peace see ya enjoy your rv ride with your daughter i mean yeah, yeah it might be the thing that the audience may have wanted to see him get him but i mean plot hole for god's sakes well let's see so they they put everybody on that bus and the bus goes driving through la and then the little teeny helicopter picks it up <laughs> i don't know i mean maybe that's a helicopter that can lift a bus i don't know it looked weird to me but then they fly it around and there's like way too many shots of it flying around the city before they landed on top of, I think, U.S. Bank Tower. Yeah, that was like um, the director saying, can you see that? It's a yeah. bus being carried yeah. by a helicopter. And you know this building, we're in L.A., okay? You know that building. <laughs> um, and then they, what, they have, <laughs> they brought bazookas and the bazookas are on the bus. And John Travolta gets off the bus to board the helicopter and just leaves the bazookas there. I mean, well, yeah, is he not going to use yeah. them for anything? Not well, going to use them at all. So the only reason we did that is so we could put them together and blow up the helicopter. Well, and the right? henchman the and the henchman like makes this long, obvious eye contact with Hugh Jackman while he loads the bazookas. Yeah, like yeah. hey, see what I'm doing here? Like just like just <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, very, very obvious. Like probably but, too obvious. But then you know, and oh, and this. I had to laugh at this too because this does kind of have a bit of a usual suspect sort of ending to it mm -hmm. where you finally realize that, you know, he sort of had doctored all this up and he was going to get away with it and he flies out and no one ever sees him again, but he's out there killing terrorists or whatever. Yeah. And I think that they, there's a, there's a shot that pays homage to the fact that you're going to get this sort of usual suspect ending. And it's right at the time where, the bus is flying through LA. I can't believe we're, I can't believe I'm saying that about a movie. A bus is flying through LA. <laughs> well, you remember they had some fun with that in a scene where yep. the guy's like, "It's not, it's not on the street anymore, sir." Yeah, <laughs> it's in the air. It's in the air. Yeah, but okay. So the bus is flying through LA, uh, and it it crashes into a building, and there's like a meeting going on in there, and the guy turns to the window just in time to see the bus coming to him. And he drops his mug from his hand and it actually gives us a shot, an, uh, an overhead shot of the, of the uh, coffee cup dropping to the ground and breaking. And then I think it shows us the coffee mug breaking on the ground. 
much like when Chaz Palminteri realizes that he just let Kaiser Soze walk out of the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're right. The, o- the only thing missing from, from this would be a close-up shot of the bottom of the mug that said Travolta or something. <laughs> yeah, well, not only that, but I think that this movie um, attempting to be fourth wall and, and you know, break some fourth wall points, because, again, you go back to that first conversation in the coffee shop uh, where they're talking about Dog Day Afternoon. Travolta says, like, well, everybody wants the happy ending. You know, it's okay, yeah. man. Everybody likes the happy ending. Well, and, you and know, then... You get your happy ending because you see, you know, he's he's got his daughter back. Which, having having been cleared of all charges. <laughs> having been cleared of all charges and having to get his his daughter's custody is now transferred back to him because his his ex wife is now dead. I mean, I mean, do you think that was convenient? And they also, it's kind of funny. They didn't also, they also didn't really do a good job answering. I mean, did he actually get the $10 million? I mean, well, obviously again. he did because he's got this RV and he's driving around the country in it, but. Wasn't he talking about how, you know, you can't kill people for money? Yeah. And now he got Travolta's $10 million. I mean, is that not, is that not blood money? Oh, he took it. He a hundred percent took it. He's like, I don't like this, but 10 million. Okay. Well, again, so yeah. So that goes back to that character. Like, was that character supposed to be a good guy? Because again, the character jumps in the plot for one reason and one reason only to get his kid. Yeah. And they make that very, very clear when Halle Berry like brings up, you know, have you talked to Holly recently? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and Hugh gets really ticked off and throws her out. And you're like, man, who's Holly? And and it becomes very clear throughout most of the time. He's not here because he wants to be here. But so is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? You know, he does there. Okay, so a little bit of a little bit of praise here. I can there is and he does have an arc. It is pretty, you know, it is pretty well defined. Um, You know, he's doing this to get his daughter back, but now he's got another kind of ulterior motive because he sees what Travolta is trying to do and he wants to stop. And not because he doesn't want to stop terrorists from getting killed, but mostly because he just doesn't want more people to die. And that's what Travolta is doing is he's killing people to get his way. As we said, he's killing Americans to save Americans. Right. I mean, exactly. And, yeah. and that's ridiculous. So yeah, he doesn't want to see any of this happen, but he still got paid. So eh, screw my morals. I'll take $10 million. <laughs> well, well, no, me and my daughter will take $10 million. And again, yeah. the, the morals of I'm doing this for my child. If you're a parent, I'm doing this yeah. for my child. It's totally okay now. <laughs> well, and you know, that was 10 million stolen dollars. And so, okay, well, you know, you deposit $10 million into an account. I think somebody's going to notice no matter what privacy laws say. Hey, you want to, you want to talk about things that we didn't understand that movies try to communicate to us in a way that makes sense. You think hacking is bad. Imagine the, the magical Swiss bank account. (laughs) Where's the, anytime money is going to be hidden. Where's the Swiss bank account, Office bank account, foreign bank account. (laughs) We can't go get foreign money. You know, like I think if I put a dollar in a Swiss bank account, it'll be 10 million in five weeks. That's the way I feel based on what they've told me. You couldn't, you can't deposit a dollar into a Swiss bank account. (laughs) I need a computer and six screens. You need hundreds of thousands of dollars to put into a Swiss bank account. And it's got to be sent over with some magic code word. And yeah, I mean, I guess it is a happy ending too, because. Travolta killed a terrorist, so and they they kind of tell us a little bit more as the movie fades out that you know oh this is the fourth terrorist in three weeks 
So, uh, so just because I want to hear you describe this in a funnier way, uh, obviously Trevor felt a certain way about it 20 years ago. How did Trevor feel about it on the second viewing? Hated it really. No, there was that for me. I mean, yeah. Okay. I can give a little bit of a praise for how Hugh Jackman developed as a character throughout the movie, but really nothing redeeming about this at all. It was, it's, it is a bore, um, unless you want to see cars blow up. Hugh Jackman typing on a computer and Halle Berry wearing next to no clothes or no clothes, then sure, this is your movie, you know. <laughs> but oh, other than that, this is this was a this was a waste of my two hours. And I'm not gonna say oh, I want to sue someone to get that back because I know people that say that. You know, I watched the movie, I knew what I was getting into. Yeah, because I fell asleep when I watched it. And I read the reviews, so I knew that it was probably not going to be something I enjoyed. Um, cause I tend to agree with reviews more often than not. I think that is, I'm in the minority on that one, but, um, yeah, just, I mean, this is one to 10. This gets a one. I mean, <laughs> this, this is, uh, it's not quite, it's not quite painfully awful cause I didn't want to pull my eyes out watching it. Um, but it, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad for me. <laughs> And how did you feel about it? So I will say I liked it about the same. Um, it's it will it's not gonna it's gonna be a pretty open secret when we watch when we uh, listen to these episodes. Obviously, that I am a fan of good bad movies. I just even if the plot is crazy and something dumb is happening. Uh, again, my wife and I used to joke. Um, one time, I made her watch Howard the Duck with me. And she joked. She still stayed married to you after you did that. uh, She pointed out that if uh, we had watched Howard the joke, if we had watched Howard the Duck on our first date, there would not have been a second. Um, Fair, totally fair shot. But uh, I have a thing for good bad movies, and uh, I would call Swordfish kind of a good bad movie because. Again, there's a mild things to get excited about. I do think one thing we didn't talk about a whole lot was that Matrix sort of after effect and that derivative effect. There's a lot of parts of this that seem like somebody trying to do something like the Matrix. Um, They're just trying to say, hey, look at us. <laughs> you know, hey, this there's this thing and, and this there, there's this bad guy who is also kind of philosophical and, you know, but he's got this good side to him. And, you know, so I... I liked it about the same, which is to say, you know, not a whole lot. Again, even a good, bad movie like this, in my opinion, um, there's still some entertainment value to be had for it. There's things in it that are entertaining. Uh, There's parts of it to enjoy and pick out. But again, this is me going straight popcorn uh, as opposed to straight critical. But (laughs) Um, well, let me ask you one more question. Uh, Do you believe that this movie would ever be remade or rebooted? No, I don't. This doesn't seem like something that would get remade or rebooted. In fact, when I told some folks that this was what we were reviewing this week, they were like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that movie. It certainly wasn't successful enough. I mean, again, one hundred and forty seven million against a hundred dollar, a hundred million dollar budget is successful technically. But when you spend a hundred million dollars on a movie, you better expect to make way more than that. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but that's for a project to have so much money spent on it and come back in so in such small amounts. Uh, I would say that definitely qualifies it as a movie that will not uh, see another movie of. 
Well, folks, we want to bring you into the discussion because we do enjoy getting some of your feedback about episodes and how we can make them better. So please interact with us on social media. Follow us on all the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We are at Rearview Movies. You can also subscribe to our podcast, take it to the next level. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon. We would invite you to... You know, meet with us and connect with us on social media and tell us what you think about the next movie we will be viewing in the rearview mirror, which is what, Trevor? Next week, we're going to talk about Angelina Jolie busting through some tombs. So we are going to review Laura Croft Tomb Raider next week. Hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think of that film. If your feedback is something that we think is fun, we'll definitely talk about it. We'll include it and definitely give your name so we can give you the credit for your opinion because obviously there's lots of opinions besides ours. But in the meantime, we're really excited that you decided to join us for this journey and keep riding on. Have a great week.